Well, good morning and welcome to this week's City of Love gathering. Wherever it is that you're watching or listening to this, our prayer is that our time together will be a real blessing to us all as we gather to worship the living God. If you don't usually come to Kirkpatrick or have just started uh, listening or tuning into our services, you're especially welcome. As with previous weeks, this service is designed to run continuously as a playlist on YouTube, so please do make sure that's how you're watching the service. This is a time of real unknowns, isn't it? How long will the queue at Tesco's be? What's the weather going to be like this week? When, oh when, will the hairdressers be back open again? Now, of course, although these are unknowns, they're not exactly the most serious of issues, are they? There are deeper, more pressing unknowns at this time, which many of us are facing. How long will we need to continue to be shielding? When will I be back at school or uni? And what will that even look like? When will I be able to see that person again? What does life look like without a job? How long will I have to live in such isolation? How long will I have to live in such chaos? How long? When? Unknowns can be unsettling, difficult and painful. Sam Albury, who is an English Bible teacher and author, was speaking on this subject and shared a piece of advice that he was given as a, a, a young believer when he had just come to trust in Jesus. This is the quote. Deal with what you don't know in the context of what you do know. Although there are many unknowns for us today, we know the one who is over all of these and in whom we can find assurance and peace. Isaiah 40 records the most wonderful words of encouragement to the people of God in an incredibly difficult time. They were in exile, a broken hearted people driven from their land, facing great uncertainty. Listen to these words from Isaiah 40 to God's displaced and discouraged people. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What words of truth about who the Lord is to a people facing uncertainty? And this God is the same God to whom we belong today. Let's pray. God, these are uncertain days, but we come to you with thanksgiving this morning that you, the living God, have made yourself known to us. Thank you for your word, which reminds us that you are the everlasting God, the one without end and the creator of all things. Thank you for the sure truth that you will not grow weary and that those who hope in you will renew their strength. We worship you for these incredible truths about you. Forgive us, Lord, for our feelings this week. We have not lived how you've called us to live. 
forgive us, Lord, for living our lives as if we know what's best or we are the one that matters the most. Forgive us too for looking to the many unknowns around us rather than to you. Renew us afresh this morning by your Holy Spirit. And would our lives this week, seen and unseen, be based on you, the one who we know and in whom we can place our trust. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's remind ourselves now of our great God as we sing Behold Our God. And after that, Victoria is going to lead us for our Sunday club slot. Hi, I'm Victoria. I'm one of the Sunday club leaders for the P1 and P2 children. And it is lovely to be able to speak to you today. But it's made me think that Jude and I really miss seeing you. We really miss hearing your stories and hearing your chat. And it made me remember when we were together at Sunday Club. Do you remember we used to learn memory verses? And Jude used to bring her lovely teddies in with us. Now, which teddy was your favourite? I know I loved all of them, but I did love Olaf. He was so cute with his lovely carrot nose. And learning memory verses has made me think, have you been learning any memory verses since you've been at home? That's brilliant. But also another thing that you can learn from the Bible is the books of the Bible. Did you know that there are 66 books in the Bible? There are 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. I know. It's a lot of books, but it's great to be able to learn what order they come in. So if you've got your Bible like me and you want to read the story of Daniel in the lion's den and you think, where is the book of Daniel? And I know our Sunday clubbers are great. So lots of you know that is in the Old Testament. But there are lots of stories that are quite tricky to find the book. So. In our house, we've started to play a game and I wondered if you'd like to play it this morning. We play a game where we say the book of the Bible and we have to decide, is that in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Now, I know you guys are great at this, so let's all have a go. Okay, so I'll say the name of the book and you tell me, you call out if it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. So I think everybody will be able to get this one. Let's go. Mark. I thought you would know that one. Really good. Okay, we need to make it trickier. What about Acts? That's right. That's in the New Testament as well. Brilliant. You are getting good at this. Okay, even harder. So older children in the Sunday club, let's get your thinking caps on. Hmm. Sam's. Brilliant. Old Testament, lots of you got that one. Really, really good. So I wonder if you would like to have a challenge. And that challenge would be to learn the books of the Bible together. Now, as you can see, I am outside to chat to you today. And I can smell the smell of lovely cut grass, and I love that. And that reminds me of being at school and having school sports days. And also in this summer, we were going to have the Olympics. But unfortunately, as you know, both have been cancelled, which does make a lot of us sad because I know that lots of our Sunday club children love school sports day. 
and you're very competitive, which is great, and you are really good at sport. So, let me think. What could we do learning the books of the Bible and thinking about sport? Books of the Bible Olympics. Let's do it. Right. Let me see. We could have four events in our Bible Books of the Bible Olympics. So the first event is going to be the New Testament Sprint. How fast can you say the books of the Bible in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Second Corinthians. Wow, so fast. Okay, the second event in our Olympics is going to be the marathon. Can you say all 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Good job. That is a tricky one. So the third event in our Olympics is going to be the New Testament relay. Can you or and one or more people in your house take it in turns to say all the books in the New Testament between you? Je Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First Corinthians. Wow, great teamwork. Now, moving from the track into a field event, our fourth and final event is the high jump. Can you say the books of the New Testament whilst jumping? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians. Yes. What a skill! Love it. Okay, now I am aware that it is not only our Sunday club children who are competitive in our church and who are missing out on school sports days. Some of the adults in our church have been known to be competitive too and secretly train all year for the adults events in the school sports days. So we don't want you to miss out this year. So please, this event is for Sunday Club children and anybody in the church, adults included, who would love to have a go. So to compete in the books of the Bible, all you need is a list of the books of the Bible and there's one that we've put into the resource section of Church Suite. You are allowed to read the list during the event, but why not see if you can do it from memory? There's also a list of the events and their details in the resource section too. You'll need a stopwatch or someone to count the time for you in your event. Then there's a results table. In the resource section, you can fill in or just write your results in an email and get a grown up to send your results to my email address, which is on the screen now. If you would like to send us a video of you in training or competing in the events, we would love it. And we would love Sunday clubbers and for adults to join in. When we have collated your results, we would love to give you a shout out and share your videos on a Sunday morning. So please get into training, start learning the books of the Bible. Now to give you some incentive, P1 and P2 children, did you know, I only learned this recently, that one of your mummies can say all 66 books of the Bible in 25 seconds. Wow! 
So that is something we can all strive towards. So we hope you enjoy this challenge and I look forward to being together in church again and seeing the lightning speed that you can get to a Bible passage on a Sunday morning. God bless. Well, um, Johnny, it's great to be with you here. Um, thanks so much for agreeing to do our reading today. Um, but folks, I just thought as Johnny was going to be with us to do our reading, it'd be great to hear from him as one of our students at Kirkpatrick to hear a little bit about what lockdown has been like for him. Uh, so Johnny, thanks for agreeing to, to answer a couple of questions. Um, for those people not uh, who don't know you who are watching this, give us a, a wee bit of a, an idea about Johnny McCrossan. Um, yeah, so um, my name's Johnny. Um, so I've been studying in Bristol um, for the last three years. Um, and yeah, I went to Kirkpatrick um, since I was, I don't know, six, seven, maybe. Um, and my family still do. So mum and dad, um, Julia and Alistair, and then my two sisters, Jane and Sarah, um, still do as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm studying medicine over in Bristol and I'm intercalating hopefully in bioethics next year. Brilliant. Um, tell us then, Johnny, how has lockdown all of this been for you? Um, so I've, I've been back quite three months now, um, sort of flew back over sort of when, when everything started kicking off. Um, and it's been it's been OK. I think um, sort of some days are, are better than others. Some days are more exciting than others. Um, it's been nice to, to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't spent this um, long sort of with with my family since since I left school and probably <laughs> during school as well hasn't been um as long a period but um it's it's been grand uh, I had an exam last um Friday so that kind of gave me something to, to work towards something to do um and that's that's finished now so I have a bit more free time which I don't know whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing but um yeah no I've been very fortunate to yeah to have um to be back um with my family back in Belfast and um sort of realise that I've been, you know, very fortunate in in how this has um yeah, how this whole thing has gone and played out. What's been challenging? Um I suppose I I guess Zoom can only do so much and texts and phone calls can only sort of um go so far. Um you know yeah, I, th- I think sort of not meeting up with people is is difficult to kind of just keep um, sort of checking up on them or, or keeping the friendship going. And um, I, like as great as as it has been to you know keep in contact, and like it's definitely something that I know a lot of people, myself included, are very thankful for that you know we've got um, you know devices and technology that that we can do that. And um, you know I think we'd be fairly um, you know we'd be in trouble if we didn't have have them during this time. But um, yeah, like it's just not not seeing people face to face, not sort of seeing your friends um, the weekends or whatever um, has been difficult. But again, like I, I realise that I'm very, um, you know, fortunate and um, and yeah, but it's been been difficult in that sense, I guess. Good. Well, listen, how can we be praying for you um, just now, and not just you, Johnny, but other students? What, what how could we be praying for them? Um, I guess for me personally, um, sort of what next year is going to look like, and um, you know, getting back across, and and yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure what what um, 
what's going to happen, how it's going to play out. Um, so just just trusting in God that that um, yeah that he will he will watch over me and and you know he he knew that um, God was coming and he, he has you know this hasn't shocked him this hasn't surprised him and um, you know he is always is always with us and um, it's definitely something that um, yeah I'm trying to keep telling myself and um, yeah trying to sort of probably get into my heart um, and then for other students um, I guess especially sort of guys who are, who are starting uni and guys who are leaving uni, um, this has probably impacted the most or will impact the most. So for um, guys leaving uni, obviously going into the world of work and, and trying to get jobs and stuff, um, this has probably discovered a lot of plans and and sort of what, um, yeah, you know, it's going to be so different and it's probably going to be more difficult to get jobs coming out of, of uni next year. So I guess just prayer for them that, um, that they would see God in this again, just like like myself, and just um, trust that He is in control and that He has plans that are specific for each and every one of us. And um, and yeah, that, that He's you know so sovereign in this. And then I guess for for guys starting in so just come out of school again, you know they've had the sort of the huge disappointment of leaving school early and, and not on the way that um, they would have wanted to. So that's already sort of a, a big negative negative for them, but. Then starting uni in September, sort of again, what, what will it look like? You know, freshers will be very different. Um, you know, making friends, moving into accommodation, you know, how it's gonna, you know, it's, it's so different to what um certainly what I what I experienced in first year anyway. Um so again, just just trusting in in God now, because it is it's quite a big, you know, it's a it's a big thing to have and it's a big life event and um yeah, just that they they would know that, you know, got again that God is in control of this and and that um, you know he is with them through this, and, and he's with them before this and after this as well. So appreciate that, Brilliant. Johnny. Thank you. We will be praying for those things. So thanks for sharing with us this morning. Over to you. Um, so the reading is from Psalm one hundred twenty. I call on the Lord in my distress, and He answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will He do to you, and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with the warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. We talk a lot about discipleship here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. Over the years, I've made the biblical call to discipleship the bedrock of my ministry. We've learned together that disciples are people who've apprenticed themselves to Jesus Christ, their master. They're in a learning, growing relationship with Jesus, and they will be for the rest of their lives. A disciple learns not not so much like a student in a classroom. It's a bit more like an apprentice, an, an apprentice joiner watching a, a master craftsman at work. Disciples, you see, aren't focused on learning stuff about God. Uh, they're more interested in learning how to become like Jesus. So we know at Kirkpatrick that we're disciples. This morning, I want to introduce you to another key biblical image for your life as a faithful believer. I want to give you another biblical identity and remind you that we are pilgrims. 
A few weeks ago, I shared a verse from Psalm 84. Blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. The psalmist talks about people who are blessed or happy because they've set their heart on pilgrimage. They've set out on a journey. They're going somewhere. Christian pilgrims aren't just going any old place. They know where they're going and they know that they're going to God. This morning, we're going to start a new series. And we're going to be thinking about our lives as a pilgrimage. Uh, We're not the first Christians to have wanted to live into that identity. The most famous discipleship manual of all after the Bible, written by John Bunyan, is of course uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. We're going to be thinking of our lives as a journey to God. And we're going to bear in mind all along the way what Jesus said when he was asked the way. He said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're calling this series The Way. Think of the Ulster Way, a long path around the nine counties. Think of the Camino Camino de Santiago, a network of pilgrim ways from all over Europe converging in northwestern Spain. But above all, think of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the way to the Father. This morning, as we begin to explore this life of pilgrimage together, I want to introduce you to what Eugene Peterson calls an old dog-eared songbook. The old songbook he's talking about is a collection of 15 psalms tucked away towards the end of the Hebrew Psalter. It's been given a title. Uh, We call these songs the Songs of Ascent. These songs are the Psalms numbered from 120 through to 134 in our Bibles. Grab your Bible and have a look. There's a bit of debate about this, but many commentators believe that these 15 Psalms were sung, maybe in sequence, by the Hebrew pilgrims as they gathered from the four corners of their country and went up to Jerusalem three times each year to the great worship festivals. Jerusalem is the highest city geographically in Palestine. It has an elevation of about 785 metres. That, by the way, makes it a little bit lower than Slieve Donard, but higher than Slieve Comeda, the second highest of the Mourns. So imagine a city up there and imagine that you and your family are going there on foot. That will give you an idea of what's involved in this pilgrimage. It's an uphill journey. For a pilgrim going to Jerusalem, it wasn't just a a literal physical ascent. The, The climbing was also a metaphor of a life lived upward oriented toward God. Think about growth, maturing from one level to another. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul talks about striving on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We want to go up to God this summer further up 
and further in, as C.S. Lewis so memorably put it. Maybe you're struggling at this point. I've invited you to go on a pilgrimage, and now I'm asking you to, to sing songs. I'm not a singer, you say. Okay, I get that. But maybe you're not as far removed from all of this as you might imagine. We all have songs for the road. Do you remember being on the bus trip from school? If you were going any distance at all, it wasn't long before somebody, usually at the back of the bus, would pipe up and get the singing going. Sports teams and their fans, when they're on their way to a big match or a final, they often end up singing for the journey. In our household, we recently watched Emilio Estevez's 2010 film, The Way. It tells the story of four pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago. There's a lovely point in the movie where the Irish pilgrim, played by Jimmy Nesbitt, leads the singing. It's a long way to Santiago. It's a long way to go. It's a long way to Santiago, to the sweetest saint I know. We all have songs for the road. Songs that remind us who we are and where we're going. That's what these songs of ascent are going to do. They're going to remind us who we are. We are the people of God. And they're going to remind us where we're going. We're going along the way of Jesus to our Father God. So far this morning, we've said that we're going to set out on a pilgrimage and that we're going to learn some songs to sing on the way. Before we do that, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you like your life right now? Do you like where you find yourself? Do you like where you're at? It's all right if you don't like where you're at. Being unhappy with the world as it is and with the status quo can be a wonderful preparation for starting out on the way of Christian discipleship. The dissatisfaction that we feel, particularly when it develops into a longing for something better, can serve as a wonderful springboard onto the Christian life, the pilgrim path that goes to God. The truth is that it's dissatisfaction that gets people moving. I think we've seen that this week with the protests that have started up in the Black Lives Matter movement around America and around the world. If we're ever going to be serious in our journey with God, then we've got to stop accepting things as they are. We've got to stop accepting that things are all right the way they are or that things are naturally and easily just going to get better. As long as we think that a reconvened executive at Stormont is going to sort out Ulster's problems, or that reducing our carbon footprint is going to make a, a beautiful world, or that we're going to emerge from this lockdown some sort of new and beautiful selves, like a butterfly from a chrysalis. So long as we believe any of this stuff, and we're happy with where we're at, we're not going to bother with the struggles and the uncertainties of following Jesus.
we've got to be fed up with the way things are in this world before we'll be willing to enter the new world that is the kingdom of God. Psalm 120 is a song for people who are fed up. Fed up with the way things are in the world. Fed up with their own lives in it. It's not a nice song. It's not one we teach our kids. It's not one we'll sing at church very often. But it's a good song to get us started. The psalmist is unhappy. He tells us in the opening line, have a look there. He says, I call on the Lord in my distress. The last word in the whole psalm, look at verse 7 there. He says, I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. It's not a happy song, but it's an honest one, and it's a necessary one. A big part of the psalmist's frustration, and, and what he's protesting against in this song, is his realization that he's been lied to. The world is not what it claims to be. Despite what the politicians are telling us, things are not all right as they are. No matter how much the advertisers sell us, things aren't getting better. That's a lie that we've been told for as long as we can remember. We've been told that human beings are basically nice and naturally good. Everyone's born innocent. The world's a, a pleasant place. It's a harmless place. We're all born free. If there are problems and conflicts just now, we can correct them. Just a little more education, a little more effort, a little more time. Why is it that we keep believing these lies? The, the word Lord only appears once in this psalm, uh, but it's the clue to the whole song. And by the way, that's something I found as I've been reading the psalms these last few months. I find that when I read psalms, God gets bigger and the world and, and my concerns in it get smaller or at least are in the right proportion. God, once we admit God, then he fills the whole horizon. God's truth, which is perfect, begins to grow larger and it begins to dwarf the lies that we've been told in this world. Eugene Peterson elaborates on the truth that we see when we see God. He says, the truth about me is that God made me and loves me. The truth about you and the people sitting in the pew beside you or on the sofa is that God made you and God loves you. The truth about this world is that God loves it and that he provides for it. The truth about what's wrong with the world is that I and my neighbor and the person sitting beside me we've sinned by refusing to let God have his rightful place in our lives and in the world. The truth about what's at the very heart of human existence is that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for our sins and raised from the grave for our salvation. The truth is that we can participate in a whole new way of life as we believe in him, 
accept his mercy, respond to his love, and keep his commands. That's the truth. We need to be saved from the lies so that we can live in this truth. We're talking here this morning about a pilgrimage, about a life that goes to God. And the first step of any life that goes to God is a step away from the lies of this world. We need to start believing different things about who we are and how this world is before we'll start moving decisively towards God. Look at verses 5 and 6. The psalmist says there, Woe to me that I live in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long I have lived among those who hate peace. Maybe you're like me, and you haven't a clue about Meshech and Kedar. I have to look look this up. Meshech, that's an area thousands of miles actually from Palestine where the psalmist is writing, uh, away over on the shores of the Black Sea in what we would call Russia. And Kedar, well, they're a, a Bedouin tribe, quite a fierce tribe who would have been around the borders of Israel in these days. I'm not sure that the psalmist ever lived in Meshech or Kedar, but he feels like he could. The way he's experiencing life, he feels like he's living in a a strange place, a place that's hostile to him and his concerns. I think what the psalmist's saying here is, I don't like this place. I don't like where I'm at. This world is not my home, and I want out. Do you see what's going on here? Our psalmist's at a crossroads. Two paths lie before him. The lies of the world, or the truth of the Lord. Which way is he going to go? The Bible has a word that describes the act of saying no to the world's lies and yes to God's truth. And that word is repentance. It has always been and will always be the first word in the Christian life. And it's also the first step on a true pilgrimage. What was the first thing Jesus preached whenever he recorded for us in the Gospels? That's right. He said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. How was it that John the Baptist prepared for Jesus' coming? It was by preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What was the message of the first Christians? How did Peter conclude his great Pentecost sermon recorded for us in Acts chapter 2? Repent, he said, and be baptized, every one of you. The Bible is entirely consistent. If we want to go with God, we've got to start with repentance. I asked you at the start of my address today, do you like where you're at? I hope not. I hope you're restless in this world as you found it. I hope there's part of you that hasn't quite found what you're looking for just yet. Part of you that's looking for somewhere else. Away from the world's lies. Living in God's truth.
Come on. Let's repent. Let's leave this place behind and start our journey toward God. As we come to pray together, I'd like to read a verse from Psalm 36, verse 5. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Father, we thank you that you are faithful to us, that your love for us is unending. It reaches to the heavens. How amazing it is that despite our wanderings away from you, our looking for satisfaction in things outside of you, that you remain faithful to us. Your love and your kindness towards us does not change. Grow this truth in our minds. May it warm our hearts to you. As we reflect on a week where we have seen further lockdown restrictions ease, we are thankful that the virus seems to be coming under control in our country. We pray for those in leadership as they plan further changes to restrictions. Guide them, Father, that their decisions would not cause a second wave of the virus. We pray particularly for those we know of who have been shielding for the last 12 weeks and are now able to leave their homes. We know there can be a sense of fear mingled with relief for these individuals and families. And Father, we pray that you would protect them, grant safety to them as they return to some normal activities. As the virus declines in our country, we think of other nations where it is accelerating. We think particularly in this time of South America, where the virus is spreading rapidly in so many areas, in countries that do not have the luxury of free or safe healthcare. Would you halt its spread in these countries? We pray that those in a position of power would act justly, with integrity looking first and foremost to protect and provide for their people. As we've already been thinking of our students in this service, we pray for them. We pray for them as they continue to study, keeping up with classes online, coursework, deadlines, or preparing for exams. Help them to remain focused, free from distraction or worry. We pray for them during this uncertain period, unsure of what term will look like in September. Lord, grant them a sense of peace about the future. Help them look to you and trust you even more in the uncertainty. And for those students who are serving on CE committees, trying to plan for the autumn term, give them wisdom and creativity as they continue to seek to be your mission team on campus. And for all our young people in the church, we have had plans cancelled for over the summer months. Those who were hoping to help in camps, who had jobs lined up or holidays planned, Father, we pray that you would guide them how to use the next weeks and months well and that they would be active in seeking to grow closer to you. And we pray this for each of us, that through the uncertainty we would still be growing in love and knowledge of you. We don't know what the next week, month, year will bring, but we know that heaven rules and nothing can stop your work being done. Amen. Hi. I think our announcements can be very, very brief today. I just want to flag up for you the video which I referenced in the email I sent out on Friday, Five Ways to Fight Racism. 
I think it's a, a really timely uh, message about the importance of God's people being a people who love those from all races. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch that yet, you might enjoy watching that. I'd encourage you to do just that. At the end of last month, on the last Wednesday of May, we had a, a wonderful time together at our first corporate prayer gathering during the lockdown. Uh, we met together in Zoom, around about 100 of us, and it was such a success that we'd like to do the same thing again at the end of this month. So uh, maybe you could make a note in your diary for Wednesday, the 24th of June. Uh, if you get that date in your diary, in a week and a half's time, uh, we'll gather together again. We'll send out a link near the time to invite you along to that gathering. Uh, I'm not going to say very much about it, but look out for the resources, uh, both in this playlist and in your church suite uh, document folder, uh, any of those resources that are going to be any use to you these days. And one last uh, church family bit of news to share. Uh, we were sorry to learn on Thursday of the week past of the death of Ida McConnell. Um, we want to remember her family, her husband David and her whole family as they come to terms with their loss at this time. Let's pray for them and hold them before God. Thank you. Deal with what you don't know in the context of what you do know. Remember that quote I mentioned at the beginning? I would love to change one of the words if that was possible. Deal with what you don't know in the context of who you do know. We have such assurance as we head into another week, as we know the one who is over all things and in whom we can find peace and comfort as we face many unknowns. In that same talk, Albury then went on to reference an old hymn which captures brilliantly what we've been thinking about. And I found it incredibly moving to listen to the words. So I thought that we could finish our times together this morning by singing it. There's a simple outline to each of the four verses. Each one starts with these words, I cannot tell. And then halfway through come these wonderful words, but this I know. Let me read you one of the verses. I cannot tell how silently he suffered, as with his peace he graced this place of tears, nor how his heart upon the cross was broken, the crown of pain to three and thirty years. But this I know, he heals the brokenhearted, and stays our sin and calms our lurking fear, and lifts the burden from the heavy laden, for still the Saviour, Saviour of the world is here. May this be our prayer as we head into a new week of many unknowns, rejoicing in the Lord whom we know.